Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Boys in Red and White podcast. My name is Tom Dow and I'm joined as always by my best friend Andre Grayson. Hello Mr Dow. You got the uh, Mr Dow just right oh, this week. I'm rehearsing Spot all on. day. <laughs> Bosh. <laughs> and we are recording uh, episode 53 of this podcast um, on the day that Arsenal should have been playing Everton at home. So currently I think Arsenal were uh, would be into the second half of play as, uh, as we record. So uh, it's um, what would a, the score a, have been, Tom? Oh, we would oh, we'd be three up by now, I reckon. <laughs> so it's it's a bizarre situation. Um, obviously, you have to be have been living under a rock to not know the, the reason for the football being cancelled. Um, obviously, the Queen passed away on Thursday evening uh, in the middle of our game against FC Zurich. Mm. Um, which I'm sure we'll go on to in a minute. But obviously, as a result of that, Premier League football and all, all football below that um, was cancelled this weekend um, out of a mark of respect. I know I've got my opinions on on that decision, and I'm sure you do as well, Andre. We've uh, we've shared them briefly across text on the on a Friday when it was announced. Um, but do you, do you care to expand a bit further? Um, look, I actually think I'm I'm obviously. I was a bit. Um, I was really upset about the news, actually, more than I thought I would be. I'm not a royalist or anything like it, but I just think we've gone through so much change in the UK, especially over recent years, and it was just a bit sad. Um, and also, rumours had begun early in the day for me, anyway, that something was going going awry. I mean, it's really sad, obviously, um, and lots of people feel differently about it, and and how they choose to engage is is one thing. Um, I find it incredible look I think there's two things here if there was no world cup no world cup in in winter you know as there fucking shouldn't be um there you go how about two minutes and nine seconds there you go yeah, um, expletive warning record, Bosh. Record. <laughs> two minutes and nine seconds there you go but if the world cup wasn't it I don't think I'd feel as furious as I do and also, I'm wondering if we had a bigger game and I was worried, but I was so desperate for us to bounce back into action. And all our rivals aren't looking right. Chelsea have got a new manager. I'm sure we'll talk about things like this later. It just felt like the right time for us to bounce back. I cannot understand, especially considering how brilliantly football pays its respects to things, that they felt football wouldn't be suitable to pay tribute. It's nothing to do with policing. If it was, you'd understand it. But... It's just illogical, but I think I'm so frustrated because when on earth is this game getting played? When on earth? And if next weekend goes as well, I just don't see, Tom, when it's going to happen. And I think I also feel as though I'm carrying the scars of what happened with our um, rearranged fixture last season as well that's definitely, definitely on my mind. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm in a similar place. I mean, just trailing it back slightly... I'm also not a royalist, and um, it's it's not been obviously it's a news that sort of encapsulates the world, and everyone is is gripped by it, and and has to sort of be participating in that in that grieving process. But it's not something that is um, had had a huge impact on me. Um, but obviously, I appreciate that it's a sad time for a lot of people, and it's um, for a country um, as. Mm stipulated by by the royal family as we are then obviously it's 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 a very huge event in uh in our history but um yeah from a personal perspective it's been something which i i've 
I've not really been caught up in in the furore of the the media coverage of it because it's I, I I think I think Britain is very good at doing things uh, a little over the top, shall we say? Um, but obviously, it is it is a huge moment in history. Um, but what I would say, with regards to the football, I'm completely in, in agreement that I think it would have been a really good opportunity for those to go to football and share their respects in a really public platform. And I think it was uh, there's quite a few people on Twitter have said this that if football had gone ahead, it would have been telling that, there, that chances are there wouldn't have been too many empty seats, put it that way. Um, so I, I think it was a really, really poor decision. Um, and the, the bit that frustrates me a little bit as well is that obviously everything else in terms of work, um, schools are open, works are, businesses are open. If everything else had been shut down, I can't understand why leisure activities would be shut down as well. But that hasn't happened like by, by and large things are just going on kind of as normal i know certainly from a school's perspective we've we've just had to just move on and we just get on with it um and then obviously the weekend comes and then the things that we enjoy doing have kind of been put on the back burner which is i suppose the responsibility of like the fa is an example to pay their respects in the way that they think is appropriate but I do think there's a bit of a bit of fallout by the fact that I think that there's an element that people feel that football fans can't be trusted to show their respect, if that makes sense. Yeah, which is odd, because I think if you look at um, West Ham, I thought they exemplified at the start of their game um, in the Europa League exactly what kind of what a tribute can look like. You know, I think I think it's football fans have a, a very unfair reputation. But as I said to you just before we came on air, one of my ways I enjoy the most in terms of paying respect um, to Remembrance Sunday is that moment silence. And when you have the I've forgotten I've forgotten the last post when they last play post. the last post. I mean, that is one of the most moving moments in a stadium. Um, I mean, it's always helped by the roar of course, once that two minute silence ends, but I love paying tribute and everyone wearing their poppies and it's a great feeling. And I, I'm a bit gutted. I didn't get a chance to do anything like that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, but for Arsenal, I think what it means is we can't jump straight back on that horse. And if we, I'm delighted the PSV game's going ahead for a chance to, to keep some momentum. And actually in many ways, the only positive um, is that we should go full strength for that game, which I think we, we might have done anyway, and especially if Brentford's off. Because if we can beat PSV at home comfortably, and if we take the, the two um, wins off Bodo Glimt, um, then we're in a really strong place. And uh, as much as we're going to PSV, um, at, well, Eindhoven, for a fun trip, I, do, I would quite like that game not to really mean anything. Um, I think that's got to be our objective and goal, to, to truly truly rotate the squad for those two games because they shouldn't matter interestingly um as well i well not interestingly but i had planned this saturday to watch the early kickoff then i was going to borham wood um who who are home to oldham i know everyone's thinking what a big game how do you miss that um and then um and then it was obviously city v spurs and then our game sunday so it is amazing how much football dominates um one's life or maybe not one's life but but my life um and, so, and my life so it's, <laughs> <laughs> so it's a bit of a blow but it's lovely to make up for it talking to you today tom i must say 
Yeah, I think um, this is just obviously I when it is the off season, I kind of I you find different things to do. But having had your plans sort of shifted at such late notice, it's kind of just highlighted to me that I don't know how people who don't like football cope because <laughs> because I just don't know what you do. I don't know what you do. Like, is this I, it done... every weekend? Is this all you've got? <laughs> yeah, like obviously I've done a few things this weekend. It's been very nice. I spent a bit of time with Laura. That's been nice. Spent a bit of time with the in-laws um, this morning, um, and it, and it was lovely. But obviously, I'm used to having that focus at some point across the across the two day weekend of having a football match to go to or a football match to watch on TV, and I've resorted to watching like bizarre European football. Um, instead of normal TV, just because I feel like I want something to to grip me. So last night I watched a little bit of La Liga, so I watched a bit of Barcelona. Um, I watched a little bit of Serie A. Um, so Inter, Inter, not Inter. I was AC Milan. I watched Olivier Giroud scoring a penalty. Sampdoria, uh, tough place to go. Yeah, big big win, big win. Uh, hang, hung on with ten men, so that was that was gripping. And uh, then I watched a little bit of. Was it Nashville versus LA Galaxy, I think? Oh, last minute pen. I didn't see the end of it. I I got bored of it because after um, Chicharito missed the penalty, I kind of lost interest at that point and I I turned it off. (laughs) Amazing. No, Ricky Ricky Puig from the Barcelona legend um, from the spot did did pull one back in the 97th minute. Thriller, thriller. So as you're probably learning, um, I did very much the same. I mean, I also managed to watch... (laughs) <laughs> I, I snuck in. I didn't watch um, La Liga or so, but I did watch um, Bayern Munich against Sven Mislintatz Stuttgart. Um, good to see Dinos Mavropanos. He's got a lovely head of hair these days. Excellent. Um, I, I watched the first half, got bored, and then turns out I missed a 2 2 thriller. <laughs> so, so our weekends were pretty much identical then, is what you're saying. Uh, Absolutely, absolutely. So that no, was uh, it. Was it was good fun? It was good fun. But it does show you just how much um, English football does dominate our lives. But talking of English football, uh, we are still uh, top of the league, Tom. And I think you, you. I mean, I know we haven't spoken since Aston Villa, but that was um, well. There's a couple of things from the Aston Villa game that I think are more pertinent for me to talk about when we talk about the Man U game. Yeah. And of course, you went to Old Trafford, went up the night before, and I think you had a nice time the night before, judging by your Twitter. Um, <laughs> uh, so, how, right. how was how was your your trip to Manchester? Um, it was it was superb, to be fair. Um, speaking of my Twitter thread that I had, that I had going, um, the first tweet that I posted said yeah. something along the lines of. I'm in Manchester, I, I'm three beers in, I've got one to, thing to say, I fucking love Arsenal Football Club. And that has been liked about 960 times. I don't really? know why. Yeah, I don't know why. You wizard. Yeah, I'm, I've gone viral. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> to, to the point, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the tweet up because it made me laugh um, quite a lot, to be fair. And I even got a few comments. And this is very rare. So the the final figures were. Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> Thank God. The, the, the final figures were twenty two retweets and nine hundred and sixty seven likes. <laughs> and and obviously I, I had a stream of tweets and stuff. And I just wanted to highlight one particular uh, tweet that I was a big fan of. Yeah. And bear in mind, let me just repeat my tweet itself, which was: I'm in Manchester. I'm three beers in. 
and I have one thing to say. I fucking love Arsenal Football Club. Yeah. And I thought that summarised my feelings at that point quite well. I've been with you after those three beers and, and you do very much love Arsenal Football Club. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Greg, spelt with uh, two Gs, um, kindly posted a, tw- a tweet to me and said, Tom, dot, 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 we love you. And this is a man I don't know. I've never met him. I take back my bad start. It was a great start and an even better ending. Yeah, Tom, we love you. Enjoy. And I, and I, yeah, I was very, very happy. <laughs> I had a couple people share me the um, picture of Stuart McFarlane with, this is my club. I fucking love this football club. <laughs> <laughs> and, I I, and, I, and I also had another gentleman who said, have a Guinness on me, mate. And I was thinking, right, how do we arrange this financial transaction? <laughs> or he just said, have a Guinness for me. It was, it was the exact words were on me. So, <laughs> so oh. that was nice. But anyway, back to the, the actual evening itself. Um, a, per, a, a personal highlight of the evening before was that I went up with my friend Robbie, who is a, um, an, a new father. Um, oh and, uh, and this was his first uh, time away from his child since, uh, since the birth of his son. So obviously it's quite a big, quite a big event for for him. So we drove up to Manchester, got to our hotel, and then just went straight into town. And evening went fine. We went to a few places. He tried to get into the same nightclub five times, despite not having ID and being told every time he needed his ID. <laughs> <laughs> and he just he just kept going to different doormen and going, "We let me in," and they went, "No," and. He'd walk away, come back two minutes later to a different doorman, and the first doorman would then spot him and say, no, out you go. <laughs> Amazing. And this happened, I think it was five times. But the absolute highlight of that evening was that we got a kebab at the end of the evening, as you so often do on a uh, on a night out. Yeah. And I paid for it. Don't know why. I don't know how that happened, but I paid for it. Yeah. And we then went to order an Uber. And whilst we're waiting for this Uber, it's taking a little bit of time to get there. Robbie got very angry very, very quickly that the Uber wasn't coming and threw his full kebab on the floor. No. For no reason. No. (laughs) For no reason. I was just like, that seems reasonable. (laughs) And at the time, I thought it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) What a waste. Yeah, and then it dawned upon me that I paid for it. (laughs) That's why he was so blasé with it. Yeah, and then the next day, he had no recollection of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> the sign of a good night. So that was that was the the night before the trip to Old Trafford. Um, yeah. And then, obviously, on the morning of the game, I decided to do a bit of research because, as listeners will know, I'm a, I'm a teacher. Kids went back the day after the Manchester United game and I had a long drive back to Margate. So I didn't get home until quarter to one. And then I had to go to work the next day. But I thought I'd do a bit of research and find the optimal parking space to get back on the motorway. So this is where listeners will be intently listening because they want to know about parking at Old Trafford, surely. Yeah. So I, mean, I, I found I a say, road. I do the tram. I do the tram. That's what I've found is the most effective. Oh, I might have found a new one. Okay, I'm particularly listening. When, Particularly when you're driving, I think I found a new one. Um, so there is, obviously, the main road that goes up to Old Trafford is really, really long. After the game, it is 
both ways an absolute nightmare getting out of. And what I found is a road that is just past the restrictions point. So it's free parking and it's literally a five minute drive to the motorway. And it's about a 25 minute walk from the ground, but you walk past all the static traffic and it's very satisfying. Well, that is a good fit. You will have to share, share the postcode on Twitter. I, I will do. I'm sure there's many people that are looking for this. Yeah. Maybe we'll set up a, a Patreon and it's behind an exclusive firewall. Tom's parking i think it's got a lot of traction right it does have a lot of traction but what annoyed me is that i went on reddit to find this page and i had to go on a manchester united reddit page to to get the road name and subsequently since then i have been inundated with um shove notifications from this reddit page on my phone of manchester united so i've had to delete the app so that it stops happening <laughs> yeah, that is that is a disaster. That so is. that is about six minutes I've spoken about not even the game yet. <laughs> no, no. Well, let's 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 drill into let's drill into the the occasion. Um, I mean, I think um, I was I was pleased. Sambi Lakonga kept his starting berth. Um, it was good to see Zinchenko back, and I think from the Aston Villa game, we saw the way we wanted to to build up play. Um, and Tierney has got a way to go, but obviously we're, we're going to speak about three games. So I think it'd be interesting to sort of come on to Kieran Tierney at some point. Um, we started the game really slowly and then we have to talk about, you know, the uh, the incident. Yeah. Um, and, and I think for me, this is the thing, and, and Arteta said it, and I'm not saying anything original here. When the Aston Villa goal, the corner that went straight in got given, I was a bit like, well, that's that should never, ever, ever stand. And then I watched it back and I was like, well, that is soft. And actually, you can't really go back and review that because Ramsdale gets in a bit of argy-bargy, but not really. And actually, I thought it was quite weak goalkeeping and you want your player to be stronger there. But I still think it was probably a foul on, on the way I've been educated in the last five years. And when Odegaard pushed over Ericsson... Uh, I thought foul immediately. And then when they played it, and obviously what a finish, what a pass from Saka and Martinelli, who were just starting, I think, to combine really effectively. Um, I thought, well, I celebrated with great gusto. Not one part of me thought they'd, there was enough in that to go back and review it. Not one yeah. part of me. And, but the minute they did... I knew they'd turn it over. But I obviously, I'm at home. So I'm watching 15 angles of this in slow motion. And I know everyone says this, but this is my problem with VAR. It's not a clear and obvious ever error. Yes, on the balance, it's 60-40, maybe even 70-30 a foul. Maybe. But it's not a foul that is so egregious and so much happens after that you wouldn't go back and review that foul if there hadn't been a goal. And I just think the way we're implementing it is just breaking football. And we were nowhere near. The way I compartmentalised it is it was nil-nil and actually it gave us the momentum anyway. And on another day, we beat Man United. And, and I think, honestly, I, I, I took so much heart from, from the game, if not the result. And I've been saying, and I've said on this podcast several times, you just don't win your first six games of the season. It's just so unusual in whatever way you cut it. And a, a point would have been a fair result. But um, I just think that's not a foul 
unless it's not a foul that gets reviewed is my problem with it. But it's all subjective. It is what it is. Um, the Chelsea West Ham one was significantly worse. Yeah. Um, and that was a goal in the last minute where you can't influence anything anymore after that. So that's how I compartmentalised it. But I just think we'd have won going 1-0 up, especially against this Manchester United team. So I think that was really hard to take. Um, and especially hard to take because it's, uh, it's at Old Trafford, it's Man United, and I've seen it a thousand times with us. I've seen it a thousand times. I haven't literally seen it a thousand times. But, you know... <laughs> Uh, I just don't think that's a goal that should be be ruled out for something that soft. No, and I'll, I'll I'll tell you, obviously, no one in the away end, like when you were celebrating, thought that it was going to be overruled because there were it was limbs, it was everyone throwing themselves all over the place. It was it was fantastic scenes, and then obviously as soon as it flashed up on their crappy little electronic scoreboard because they 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 haven't even got a, a screen in their shitty ground. Um, you just knew, and as soon as he get goes goes and gets called over, it's pointless because so rarely does the referee go, "No, I'm not, I'm not going to overrule that. I, I, I'll go with my reasonable decision." I think Michael Oliver did it the other day. Um, was it Bournemouth Forest? I think there's one example recently of him of yeah, yeah, him yeah. It was overruling. Silly. That was the only time. Yeah, yeah, and it never happens. And Paul Tierney is weak, as we know, um, and he just. I mean, throughout the whole game, there were so many incidents that they were not getting yellow cards for. There were, or there was no foul here, but there, there was obviously the foul for the Marcelli goal. And it's just it's just daft. And I'm completely in agreement with you that it, it, we get told about this clear and obvious error of malarkey and it, it just doesn't apply. It seems like they're just making it up as they go along. And I appreciate refereeing is an incredibly hard profession, um, but I didn't understand that. I was completely in agreement with your statement where you said that it, it could have gone either way. If he'd given a foul at the time, you might have got a little bit of unhappiness within the away end, but ultimately everyone would have gone, yeah, all right, fair enough. But the fact that it's been allowed to go on, he's seen it, he's decided it's not a foul, and then we've played on. Either way, I don't really care whether it's a foul, but it's not a clear and obvious error that should have been overruled. That was my view of it. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, and I, I it, it's... It kind of created within the away end a us versus them um, atmosphere, um, which sometimes has its benefits because obviously it gets everyone on side. And as you say, I think we really kicked on after that point and we dominated for large periods of that game up until we equalised. Um, and I think there was a period in the first half where Man United couldn't get out. There was a big period in the second half when they couldn't get out of their own half. And it was because we were pressing them brilliantly. We were regaining possession. We were moving the ball quickly. We were creating chances, getting the ball into the box. And up to a point, it was just we couldn't finish. And then once we got the equaliser, and again, celebrations were fantastic. I have to give enormous credit to the away end because mm. I'm sure you could hear it on TV. Um, it was it was loud throughout. And the only point that the Man United fans really kicked in was when they went 3-1 up. Um, up until that point, it was it, it was all all Arsenal fans, um, but that aside, I think when we went to uh, when we went one one, I think we we kind of froze almost that we didn't really have the conviction to go and take on the game and go right. We're going to assert ourselves and carry on doing so, and go and win the game because the game was there for the taking at that point, mm. and we just we just kind of backed off a little bit. And obviously, when they went two one up, 
you still felt like there was an opportunity for us to get back into the game. And maybe there's an argument that Arteta didn't need to change as much as he did at that point. But obviously, once he did make those changes and change the shape of the side, we then conceded almost instantly <laughs> to go 3-1 down and the game's over. So it's very difficult to assess how successful that substitution and those substitutions and that shift in formation would have been because of how quickly we did concede. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that well, that's I, kind of, that's kind of my overview of the of the game well, itself. And I think I think the thing is is that if you take Aston Villa, the corner going in, Zurich um, giving away the penalty, and the three goals against Manchester United, is my question to you is: Do you think we've got? You know what I'm trying to work out with this team is whether this lapse in concentration or dominating without being ruthless is is a um, is a bug or a feature. Nice little software development term for you. Like, but is this, I think it's the best way that describes it, right? Yeah. Is this something we can, you know, there's there's a bit of development and we can fix it and maybe a Europa League game or more time on the training ground that we get this weekend gives us that? Or is it a feature where, because if we're sitting here in, in, well, we've got this stupid, ridiculous season, but let's say in February and... We're still looking fantastic on the ball. Don't necessarily take our chances. And games are still hard for us, but in a different way than they were. And we're seeing loads of defensive lapses and errors. Um, you know, are we going to be more frustrated or are we going to be going, this is still improvement from last season? I mean, I just look at it and go, this team looks like it can create score goals. And it's come at the detriment of looking more open at the back and susceptible to lapses in concentration with a young team. And I just don't know how far that's going to get us, but I'm excited to see where it goes. I, I think that's the big thing, actually, because obviously if you compare it to last season and the season before that, a big, it, it was at times really frustrating and, and quite frankly boring watching Arsenal because we just didn't look like we had an attacking threat. And all of a sudden we brought in Zinchenko, we brought in Gabriel Jesus, we've got Saliba playing at the back, and all of a sudden we look like a team that can create. And I'm enjoying that. I'm I'm genuinely enjoying that. And the fact that we've kicked off the season with five wins out of six um, really does sort of speak volumes to that. But I think you are right that it, it's a very fine balance between between the two. Um, and I think we need to just find a way of just tightening things up a little bit because obviously when it comes to those bigger games like going to Old Trafford or when we've got the runner games in October with Tottenham. Man City and Liverpool are all at home. We won't get away with that. Particularly mm. the way the way we defended at Old Trafford in that second half, with with I, I can count probably four or five different occasions where we played really, really high and they broke us with one little pass. And a couple of those were called offside and we were we were a bit fortunate that they were. Um but overall we're we're playing a real, real high risk game by playing the way that we are. But in certain games, and you look at the five games we have won this season, that's kind of almost acceptable, and almost you can get away with it because you fancy we will score, we'll score goals. Um, and I don't know if it's a little bit of going down the route of well, we'll score more goals than you, and we're waiting for everything just to click so that we are taking those chances. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't, I don't, I do this a lot when you ask me questions, but I'm not quite sure what the answer is to that. 
Well, I think, I think time will genuinely tell. Um, and I think as well, they do seem really isolated. I, I think with, with Manu, you know, I, I thought that um, we saw the... I, I suppose Thomas Party is incredible in possession, but I really felt we saw what he gives us out of possession. And yeah. it's not Slate Lukonga. You know, you are talking about two players at very different... Um, spectrums in terms of where they are on their career, but our, our inability to get close to Fernandez and Eriksson at times, I, I really felt cost us. Yeah. Um, and they are two, whatever you say, on the ball, they are two incredible passers. And actually, you know, credit where credit's due, that pass to Rashford it is superb for the, the yeah. second goal. And it can happen. You know, if you leave yourselves open, I've seen Man City. I mean, how many times have we seen Man City lose to Tottenham with the exact yeah. same thing where it's City, City, City. This is going to be 10-0. Bang. Came to Son. 1-0. Shut up shop. We've seen it 100 times. I'm a bit worried about our game with them um, for that exact reason because what yeah. our weakness is their strength. Um, but before we before we go on to that, because I do want to ask you, you know, if Brentford doesn't go ahead, how you feel will fare with three weeks off, a couple of Europa League games and sh- straight into a North London derby, potentially our next league game. Um, but Zurich. So I think, um, you know, we should have we should really have n- learned more about what Zurich meant, you know, judging by just looking at the time. Now a game would have finished. Um so we would have learned a lot about what Zurich meant. You know, do, does Eddie get more minutes? Does does Marquinhos get time off the bench? But I just think it was so great to be back in Europe again. Yeah. Um, and I remember when we went 1-0 up after 15 and it sort of looked like it was so easy. I text you saying, I just love the Europa. And then by the end of the 90th minute, I was like, ah, oh, yes, the Europa. <laughs> because, <laughs> because it is a great competition and, and it's a great chance for our players to, to show how good they are and you know we should have again put them to the sword and we had chances in the first half but it's so great seeing a player like Marquinhos you know he doesn't make his debut until Brighton in November if we're in the Champions League because it, you know you're not going to give a 19 year old a start maybe you might see a few minutes here or there but the Europa League is just a breeding ground. Great to see Fabio Vieira get some minutes. I think he looks really exciting. I was probably yeah. more impressed with his cameo against Man U than his 90 minutes against Zurich. Because against a higher calibre of opposition, he was everywhere, had two shots, nearly set up an absolute... I mean, the pass he plays that nearly gets through to Martinelli in the in the United game is absolutely yeah. sensational. Um, great to see Lekonga getting more minutes. Tierney, I think, still looks like he needs that match sharpness. Um, but I just feel as though you saw the best and worst of the Europa, that these teams are not good, but professional teams are better than everyone seems to think. This is the team that won the Swiss League, and we just think we're going to go there and mince everyone 6-0. It's just never how it is, especially away. Yeah, so with that in mind, I think you have to take it for what it was, and and obviously a two one win away in Europe is is a decent result for uh, at any at any level um, at any time of the season. Um, so to go there and do that, I think was was good. I thought, I mean, Eddie and Ketty is just always going to score in Europa, isn't he? I think like that's a level that he's very comfortable at. He knows he's going to get chances. He knows he's going to take those chances. Um, and I thought it was nice the way he recovered after giving away the penalty as well. 
Um, I actually, and I also think he did like obviously his contribution to the Marquinhos goal was was really good as well. I, th- I think that was just a lovely goal all round because the, the first bit with Fabio Vieira jinking past the player and then playing it into the channel for for Inketia, Inketia racing onto it and then playing a lovely cross and then the finish is outstanding. So all in all, it was just a really nice goal and I think. I'm trying to remember back to my feelings of the Europa League when we were when we were in it, not last year, the year before. And I think my feelings have always been that, particularly in these early stages, it's about seeing what these fringe players can do, and it's about seeing how they settle into the side if they can make that step up. And obviously, we had quite a nice balance on um, Thursday night between current first team stars and those that are looking to work their way back in. Um, so. I think it's a good opportunity for that, and I, and I think it's really important not to read, not to read too much into it, if that makes sense. Because obviously, you're looking at a vastly changed side against sort of opposition that, are, as you said, aren't great. Um, but yeah, over, overall, I think a win to win, and that's what you kind of have to take it as. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, uh, I suppose, here we are. We've got a game Thursday, PSV. Um, if Brentford doesn't go ahead, how do you feel about the North London derby being possibly the next league game we play? I don't like it, if I'm honest. I really don't like it. But what about, but what about if I just say, like, you know, our three Brazilians getting a nice rest, Harry Kane play every minute, you know, Son's flying halfway across the world. Gonzo uh, is still picked for Brazil. Um, <laughs> I fucking hate him, mate. I, I can't. Um, I, I watched. I watched the. Um, uh, sorry, I just watched the Marseille um, Spurs game, and uh, you've obviously got Tavares, Guendouzi, Kalasinac. Um Alexis Sanchez was suspended, unfortunately, but Marseille played them off the park. And it was the most infuriating. The minute it went down to 10 men, I just turned it off because it was pointless. Um, and then I flicked it back on at about 70 minutes because I was like, oh, hello. And I saw him score his header and how happy he was. And you know, like, when you see someone you don't like happy, it's, it's you know, it John was. Terry was a good example. But Richarlison <laughs> and his big fucking nose and shit, shit house hair. I just, I really, really really hate him the thing is I, I, I we had this feeling towards him before he went there a hundred percent and and I, I've always hated him I've always disliked him and then obviously I, I think we said on air there's never been a better match of a footballer in a football club <laughs> there's never been a better match and there you go <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah sorry so, I, I, I went off topic yeah the North London derby yeah, I'm not. I'm not looking forward to it. And if it is, if if it is our next domestic game, then I think there's 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 just a, it's that added pressure onto it because obviously we're going into the game off a defeat at Manchester United. We're also going into that game top of the league, and potentially with Spurs being able to leapfrog us if they were to beat us. And obviously they're going to the game with an unbeaten record in the in the league, which we'd love to put an end to. Um, so I think there's just all sorts of dimensions of it which add to the flavour of the derby. From a neutral's perspective, I think it's probably fantastic. But from a, a match-going supporting um, uh, perspective, um, I don't look forward to it ever. And I think I would look forward to it, to it even less in those circumstances. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So if, if Brentford doesn't go ahead, so we've got the game against PSV and then a, and then a, a break till next weekend, so 10 days off, and then you've got an array of internationals and then straight back at it. Saturday, early kickoff, Spurs at home, and then mm. Bodo at home and then Liverpool at home. I mean, it's quite exciting to come back. I mean, I... I, I it is exciting, and I think that it's, it's those games that you you want to test yourself against, don't you? Um, that's why I mean that is ultimately why you pay your season ticket fee each season is 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 because you want to go to the big games ultimately, um, and obviously you do go to the other ones and you enjoy them, but the ones that really wet the whistle, so to speak, are those those big matches. Um, so yeah, it's very hard to sort of say more than that, but. I look forward to every game except for against them lot. <laughs> mm, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, God, it's going to get exciting this season. It's going to get exciting fast. What do you um, What do you make of Harry Potter taking over at Chelsea? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where you were going then. Um, I really didn't know where you were going then. Um, what do I make of Harry Potter taking over at Chelsea? I'm really, really annoyed about it, if I'm honest. Um, because he is a manager who I who I really like. Um, first, he is a manager, but also he seems like just a decent bloke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I just I can't think that anymore about him because decent blokes don't go to Chelsea. <laughs> um, it's very confusing. and I just I'm yeah, it's, it's very confusing. It's very disappointing. I really he's a manager who I'd, anywhere else he goes bar obviously a few exceptions, you you kind of just want him to do well because he's that British manager making his way in the game, working his way up the ladder and then getting his big opportunity. But I just, I hope he fails. I really hope he fails and I hope he's gone within six months. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think he will be because I think it's very hard to see what the current, the, the new regime at Chelsea is doing because obviously they've, they've just continued on from the old and sacked Thomas Tuchel was as, as soon as there's been any signs of danger. And I think the fact they've given Potter a five-year deal, um, and I know that I know you can't read too much into that, but I think he's the sort of manager you go to if you're trying to build something. I I I agree. And look, in many ways they need it, but what I quite like about this move is that it it's firstly I agree with you you know I think he is a really good manager I'm a bit worried about it but I think it will take him at least a season to get get everything in order and I think it's interesting they've acquired quite a few precocious young talents from across the continent as a strategy um I I just I suppose it's that they're looking at a couple of years down the barrel which is what I always hoped with Abramovich and I just don't know if he's the man to do it but, but maybe he is Maybe he is. He's he's stepped up at every point in his career, um, but it's interesting because I, I sort of um, been asking lots of fans uh, of different clubs, sort of how they're feeling, um, and it's all sort of you know. If I take oh, that was an interesting noise. <laughs> Honestly, what? I was checking something on my phone and a video started playing. It's just some cat on my screen. <laughs> 
Oh, bloody hell. I was, I was going on in your house. Yeah, um, we won't, we won't, that won't be cut from the edit. So, uh, <laughs> listeners, I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think a lot of teams are very concerned. Not, I, I'm The one thing we went into this season, and we mustn't lose sight of this, is that when I looked at it, I cared a lot more how we were going to beat teams, uh, not necessarily around us, but below us, that we should be beating and how we can start putting them to the sword a real mix of results in the big games and you finish top four. And I'm looking at someone like Liverpool and I'm looking at Chelsea going through this flux and I'm looking at Man U getting beat by Real Sociedad and I'm just thinking it really is there for us to, to quite comfortably get top four yeah. um, the way we're looking. And that's why I think the fact we're talking here and not outside um, the Emirates right now is is one of the most frustrating things. Yeah. I think I think you're absolutely right, and it's uh it is very much there for the taking, and, and fingers crossed we can um we can take it because it's watching the Champions League games in midweek. Obviously, I didn't I didn't watch the Tottenham game, but I did watch um a little bit of Liverpool um and it just I I don't know if you saw them doing the Champions League anthem um, at the start of the Liverpool game, and when it got to the Champions bit the, at the end of the song, and the, the roar of the Napoli fans was insane mm. and it just really got me sort of missing being in that elite competition. Um, I am excited about the Europa League campaign because I think there's a real genuine chance for us to win a trophy and as I've said to you, like Arsenal have won a European trophy in our lifetime but not when you or I were really invested in football, really understood the meaning of, of mm. what it was to support Arsenal and it's always been something I've been desperate to see my club do. And obviously, we've had a few a few near misses. We think of 2000 against Galatasaray. We think of that horrible day in Baku, which I don't want to remind you of. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just a really exciting opportunity to get back in the Champions League and also win a trophy. So oh, I'm lo- I'm looking forward to the season. I, I just. I'm going, I'm going to work and just wishing the days away so that it's the next game. And that's why I was so gutted about this weekend because I'd gone through all the last week. I got to Thursday to watch the game on TV and then I was I was buzzing about going on Sunday. And then it's just obviously been taken away from us and now we don't know the next time we're going to actually see a game in person. Hopefully, I've just seen a rumour that there's there's a bit of doubt about the game on Thursday as well. But I don't know if that's just an impassing rumour. Um Sorry, the cat's back. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Um, it's yeah, amazing. but we'll see. Um, so I've just had a, a text from my brother, actually. <laughs> yeah. Are, are, and... you, are you up for Chris's Corner? <laughs> I'm very much up for Chris's Corner. I, I'd, ha- I'd actually been preparing um, a, a potential e- 11 that we could discuss. It's not Arsenal related. I was going to do a... a a Royals based eleven. Um, a Royals based eleven. Well, I, 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 can't can't say I, was, I was struggling. So, but go on. What is his? Okay, so this is a this is a good one. This is one that I will take a bit of conversation, but I think it's it's an, it's an exciting one. So he has requested in Chris's corner, and I still haven't sorted a jingle out, which we need to do. Um, <laughs> I think he should do it. To be fair, considering he's yes. a musician, he's a musician, and, yes, and it's, it's his corner. Yes, it's in his corner, in every sense. So I'm, we're putting this out in the air. He listens to every podcast. I'm hoping he'll get the hint that we want him to want him to do it, and that we need him to do it. So <laughs> anyway, 
he's requested the nicest 11. So he's defined that as players you could take home to meet your mum. Okay. From Arsenal. From Arsenal. So I've, I've got an idea for, for goalkeeper. Okay, go on. I, I would say David Seaman is very hard to beat for that. Oh, yeah, the chuckle. The chuckle. <laughs> 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 yes, the chuckle. Um, so I just, I just, I think he's just such a nice man. He's a gentle giant. I think, I think you do well to, um, to not have David Seaman as your number one. Yeah, very fair. Very fair. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm going to totally agree. Um, right back, I'd probably say I think Lee Dixon's a really nice guy. I, I think there could be a theme here across the back line. Because there are some that I, I think would be quite quite good candidates. So I, I'd agree with Dixon. Just to be clear, before I'm going to get ahead of this, because I know how much you love him, Tony Adams, whilst on Strictly Come Dancing, has been to prison. You would not take them home to meet your mother. I would take him home to meet my mother, because my <laughs> mo- my mother is a big lead, uh, big Tony Adams fan. <laughs> yes, but you, 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 and you're insinuating there that you are, in fact, in a relationship with Tony Adams, just to be clear. Um so I'm all right with that. <laughs> so uh, we can't have Tony Adams. Okay, we're not having Tony Adams, right? Okay, I've got another centre half for you. Yeah, Colo Torre. A hundred percent. He's the in. nicest man in football. <laughs> Actually, and is he Boué? Boué. Ooh, that is a shout. I think he might surpass Lee Dixon. Yeah, I think so too. Right, we're going. We're going for the Ivory Coast uh, right side of our defence. So. There you go, a boy and toy. Unfortunately, Jovino is not making it into this eleven. No, he doesn't look nice. Surly face. Um, (laughs) He's got a nice smile. I mean, I've got I've got Nigel Winterburn at left back. Nigel Winterburn at left back. Yeah, I mean the the only thing I'm dropping in there is I'm just thinking about the various incidents he's had when he's run up to either officials or or um. Mm. Or opposition players, so I'm thinking he's of the very softly the, spoken. He is very softly spoken, but I'm thinking about the melee at Old Trafford. Fair, all right. That, all right. that he basically instigated. All right. <laughs> what about Kenny Samson? No, he's an alcoholic. Um, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't mean he's not a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, but you, you, you got. Guess he's someone you want your parents to love. You can't take Kenny him as part of the family. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're taking him in. You're taking him in. Um, okay, Boué Torre. What about Kyle Clichy? Oh, yeah. Clichy. And I, I like Per as well. In the, he's, he's a nice Oh, guy. yeah. That's a great shout. All right. That's, that's uh, not a bad back four, to be fair. No, it's 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 mixed. <laughs> it, it's mixed. I mean, you've got a calamity in both fullback positions, let's be honest. <laughs> Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, all right, uh, centre mids. Aaron Ramsey. Oh yeah, uh, good looking boy as well. <laughs> Gilberto Silva. Hundred percent Gilberto. I think he uh, he's just a lovely man, isn't he? Edu. What, are you going for a three in midfield? I'm just I'm just putting some names out there. I mean Arteta. He's not nice, is he, Arteta? No, he's not nice. He wasn't. No, no. Edu, Edu is nice. I mean, I, I look at when you see all or nothing and it's like the transfer windows coming up and Edu's like, Phew. 
Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Oh, I'm really a bit scared about this one. <laughs> um, Stephen Hughes. <laughs> I mean, we've got quite a high calibre team, and then I mean, I'm not, I'm not dis- disrespecting Stephen Don't Hughes. Tell me but... I'm not getting David Grundin in it again. <laughs> Look, he's a nice boy. <laughs> All right, are we playing? Um, are we playing? Well, who's up front, and then maybe we'll see how many strikers we've got as a nice guy because they tend not to be. I mean, see, Gabby I would say, seems like a nice guy. He does seem like a nice guy, and do we want a, a current player in? But so he he could be a shout. Should well, we put Saka's him provisionally? Actually, I think ha- Saka has to be in this team. Saka has to be in this team. So let's put him out on the out on the right hand side. Very and nice lad. Martin. He also seems like a very nice guy. Who is that? Martin Odegaard. Oh, yeah, I well, I, to be fair, I think that would, that would give it a good little bit of balance if you put Odegaard as the uh, as the attacking midfielder in front of Ramsey and Gilberto. I'm quite, I'm quite happy with that. <laughs> yeah, let's right, stick him nice, in. A let's nice finger and a nice striker. Yeah, so he's been locked in. <laughs> um, left winger. I mean, Martinelli's probably not far off, to be fair, but he's, I think he's got a bit of a ruthless streak in him as well. Mm-hmm. But he seems quite quite a humble young man. He has been sent off, though. I'm not getting into that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, the sending off that me and you had no idea what was going on. About. <laughs> I still don't really know. Um, uh, I'm trying to think here... Pires is a nice man, but a bit of a diver. We have to be, you know, fair. A bit of, a bit sneaky. Bit sneaky. Um, there's no other strikers that are coming to me, by the way. Shamak. Shamak seemed like a nice bloke. Good hair. Arshavin as well. Arshavin, I think, was was a nice guy. We like dancing as well, ballet. Did, should we should we stick him in on the left? I think Arshavin deserves. I've been pushing for him in quite a few teams, and he's been. Let's go. Let's go for him. And then, are we saying Gabriel Jesus in the middle? Canu. Oh, what a shout! (laughs) Canu. Now I'm sure because every time we do this, we end up getting fallout from uh, our 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 good friend Sammy, who uh, is either her, her husband, or her dad is not happy with some of our selections. Now we've got to bear in mind. That this is a live on air um, task that we've been given, and we were literally given no warning of this. This was on air. Chris Dow, aka the Jingle Maker, um, announced <laughs> that he wanted the nicest eleven, so the eleven that you would take home to see your mum. And obviously, we'll, we we need some substitutions now, Andre. So uh, are we go- are we are we going Eddie on the bench? Yeah, he's on the bench, definitely. He's on the bench. I, I really like the look of this. I'll just say, I, 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 I've got to say, I, I know, I appreciate, you know, he wasn't known for his football, but Arsene Wenger is a lovely man. Oh, he's, yeah, he's the manager. By, <laughs> by, <laughs> oh, oh, quite clearly the manager. He's probably been the manager of most of the teams that we've picked, to be yeah. fair. <laughs> True. Well, I don't think Unai is getting much of a look. Um, Bruce Rioch? <laughs> <laughs> um, trying to think who's... Who's been nice? Um, Mark Overmars seems nice. Yeah, yeah. Let's stick it, lock him in. I mean, it's a bit harsh to for our Sharvin to keep his place, but I think we'll have to say it's on niceness merits. Yeah, it's not on ability. This one, it's on niceness merit. Um, 
someone who I think is 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 very nice. <laughs> I like he is nice, but he also was pretty horrible to play against. I can imagine would be Dennis Bergkamp. Yeah, no, he, no. He's, he's someone quite... that I would I would happily take home to see my mother because away from the pitch he seems like a diamond. But yeah. on the pitch, if we're going for that, he did we once elbow Steve Lomas in the head. Yeah, and which was enjoyable, of course. But um, I don't think I don't think he can he can join. Um, Chris Kawamia, <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Ray. How's he not in there? I, I mean, Chris Ray has to go in. I'm Chris Ray is in there, right? So we that's right. So far, do you well, actually want Chris Kawamia on there? We're not having Kawamia. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Or am um, I getting confused with Cabadiawara? Who was the git who missed all our chances, Leeds 99? Cabadiawara. Yeah, okay, so I'll add Kawamia back in. <laughs> <laughs> what, because you just described Cabadiawara as, as uh, a git? <laughs> hang, on, hang on. We we are maybe overlooking David Rowcastle. It's, uh, it, we are. But I think he's also one that I, th- I think from what we know about him and what we've seen, he, he had a bit of a bit of a ruthless edge as well. And okay. and he's obviously someone that we didn't get to experience the, the, the full pleasure of his of his footballing talents or his niceness. So that would be my argument against David Rowcastle. But um, OK, OK. I mean, Ray Parler's nice guy. You see, he did a Cobra bomb for the Queen. <laughs> no, no, no but of course he did. <laughs> Yeah, and one of the one of the, the favorite quotes were, uh, he said, um, "I don't know if the if the Queen drinks Cobra bombs, but I'm sure if she if she doesn't, she'll be looking down and saying thanks, Ray." <laughs> I'm sure she will. It'll be the first thing she does when she gets up there. Thanks, Ray. <laughs> thanks, Ray. And um, I, think, I think we've got a comprehensive eleven here. We have got a comprehensive eleven. We need a goalkeeper on the bench. Oh, um. Graham Stack. Yep. No, he's been in jail, hasn't he? Didn't he? Didn't he get a? Um... Oh yeah. No, he kind of stacky. Um. Oh, Alex. Hey. I, I know he was in the last Ramsdale. Yeah, you take him home, wouldn't I you? I actually originally wrote down Fabianski. I think I think Ramsdale's a good shout there. And then we need. Ram- I, I think we need one more player on our bench. Well, I've got Ramsdale, Kwamia, Ray. You're Edu- going Kwamia. Okay. You want, we're going Kwamia. You, you know who I reckon would be good shout instead of Kwamia? Anyone? Anders Limpar. Yeah. Yeah, he is a lovely man. Let's get him in. <laughs> right, so just for our avid listeners, in case you've lost track of our nice 11, um, we have David Seaman in goal, a back four of Emanuela Bue, Colo Torre, Per Mertesacker, and Gal Clichy. And then we have two midfielders in Ramsey and Gilberto Silva. And then our attacking trio behind the striker are Bakayo Saka, Martin Odegaard and Andre Arshavin. And then probably the nicest man ever in football, Carnu up top. Yeah. And then on our bench, we've got Aaron Ramsdale, Mark Overmars, Edu, Christopher Ray and Anders Limpar. I think that's a solid team. I really think it is. I also think Nwankwo Carnu would have been an unbelievable modern Number nine, it, as a lone striker, just low key. I think he'd really do a job for us. I'm, I'm excited to see what this team can do. I think they're yes. definitely our blonde eleven. Yes. Oh, well, I've got a piece of paper that just has different elevens written down on them. So. 
<laughs> Amazing. Amazing. I love it. Okay, well, what an end to the podcast. That uh, was unexpected because I thought we were drawing to a close on about the 40-minute mark. Um, and then all of a sudden, Chris Dow comes up trumps, sends through his 11, and it's game on. Um, so, Andre, thank you for your time as ever. It's been nice to have some sort of football interaction this weekend, um, mm-hmm. despite obviously not being able to go to a game. It really has. It really has. Pleasure's all mine. And thank you to all the listeners, uh, all, all of you, all of you. <laughs> Every and one of you. We can literally write you personal thank you messages if you yes. just let us know you've listened. Um, so, it won't take us long. So, cheers, cheers, Matt Riggs. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's that list done. <laughs> um, he'll be very happy because he likes when he gets a mention. So, he's had to wait 56 minutes and 12 seconds, but he's got yeah. a mention. <laughs> and don't tell him where it is. So, he has to listen, to suffer all of it. <laughs> Anyway, thank you very much for listening, guys. Um, as you will probably see, I have done a, a little bit of writing on um, the website, which is www.theboysinredandwhite.com. Um, and obviously, with the lack of football, there's probably an opportunity to do a little bit more. If you'd like to see what we're up to on social media, you can obviously follow the Boys in Red and White podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. That just leaves me to say thank you for listening and we'll see you again soon for another podcast. Thank <laughs> you.